God, for the fact that you are breaking new ground. In the soil that we have surrendered to you, into your hands, we trust your hands. God, I just love the words of that song, and I love what it says about us. And as, as people of God, as, as people that are trying to understand more about who you are and how you've revealed yourself in your word, God, I just pray that we would indeed surrender to your hands. God, that we would, we would trust you. We don't have to understand. God, but we would just simply trust you. And now as we look at your word and we look at what you have to say to us, God, I pray that we trust you. I pray that we trust that this word is true and this word has life. It is living and it is breathing and it can breathe life into us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that we would focus on this precious word. God, may we never take it for granted. May we always find this time to be the most important time uh, as we gather together as believers. Father, thank you so much, God, for allowing us to worship you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're taking a break from uh, Hebrews for just one Father's Day. I felt like uh, God was impressing upon my heart. We had a group of men that uh, we went to a men's conference uh, this weekend. It was on Friday night, Saturday morning, and God was just showing me things as I was there, and I was in that, that men's conference, and he was just kind of revealing to me, and I could not resist the fact that God had impressed this particular message on, on my heart for, uh, for Father's Day, so I had to share it with you. Um, there are many men who can father a child, but there are few men who choose to be a father to a child. Am I right about that? There are many men who can father a child, but there are few men who choose to be a father to a child. There is a difference between fathering a child and being a father to a child. Am I right about that? Today, I, I think that as we look and I, everybody, like, I think people probably shy away from simple church on, on Father's Day, to be perfectly transparent with you. I think that, that they're like uh, a little bit afraid that I'm going to get on the guys too hard because I have a tendency to do that. Uh, it's, uh, fathers, I have a tendency to kind of push and push and push, and, and maybe you come out of here feeling bad, but I cannot resist what God has impressed upon my heart that I need to tell you. So um, I, I hope that the people here, this will set easy on your heart that God will use this to challenge you and move you more towards him. And, and today, uh, I, I think that we have this wrong mindset in America today, in, in the world that we live in today, about what real masculinity is and about what it really means to be a man and what it really means to be tough. You know what I mean? I think that, that we have this idea that a tough guy is somebody that, that goes to work and he works 65 hours a week and he doesn't have time for anything else because he's providing it for his family. That, that he never cries, that he never goes to an altar and just gets down on his face and begs God to forgive him of his sin, that he's just, he's just too tough for all that. He didn't want anybody to know that he's ever sinned. He didn't want anybody, anybody to ever know that he's ever done anything wrong. He's done everything right, and, and all he does is he's, just, he's providing for his family. And if somebody were to charge into his house, then he would shoot him with a pistol, and that's, that's all we've got. I mean, that's really, I mean, that's, that's the foundation, I think, of what people view manlyhood uh, or manhood to be today. And I think it's so wrong if you look at what God's word has to say. And we are going to talk about a dude today. Uh, I have spoken about him before and I want to speak about him again just because he is one of my favorite guys in the Bible. Uh, he is, it, he is, I mean, he is a man. I mean, like when I say he's a man, he is a man. And, and I'm not just talking about Jesus Christ, who is the definition of what manhood is, but I'm talking about another guy in the Old Testament that I just love. Uh, his name is Benaiah. I've talked about him before. There have been whole books written about one thing that Benaiah did, and I love it. I am all about it. Uh, Benaiah is actually kind of a family name for, 
for my family, uh, my grandfather, who lived to be 100 years old, uh, his middle name was actually named after Benaiah. So I, I, I really I like the fact that Benaiah is like in our family history, like just the name Benaiah is in our family history. And I, I love the fact that, um, that, that this guy, man, he was cool. I, I mean, I just I like his definition uh, of manlyhood that this guy kind of represents. So uh, he is one of King David's uh, mighty warriors. So, so he, the, King David's got these 30 men that he identifies as like, these are King David's mighty men. Now, King David in Israel had a lot of soldiers. He had a lot of warriors, right? But if you were in his top 30, you were, you were pretty awesome. I just have this gladiator picture in my mind, you know, like he is all kinds of ripped up, and he just probably doesn't wear anything but like a leather vest, you know what I mean? And like, he'll come at you. I mean, I, I, just, I just have this, you know, this, this gladiator picture in my mind. If you're one of King David's mighty warriors, you have got to be a pretty tough dude. And this, this guy, I want you to, to focus with me in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23 for just a moment. Um, we're going to talk about Benaiah. There, there's kind of three different things that Benaiah does, but I want to focus on one particular thing. And like I say, there's a whole book that is written, I think it's by Mark Batterson, about this particular incident in 2 Samuel chapter 23. This guy doesn't have a lot of notoriety in the Bible, but listen to what he does. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 20, it says, There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Cobb's zeal. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. That's a pretty, good, uh, a, a pretty good thing to be noted for here. I mean, the Moabites were pretty tough, and this guy killed two champions of Moab. So he, he killed two against one. He, he won, and he whipped these guys. That's pretty cool, right? But listen to what it says next. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. That's going to be our, our one sentence that we're going to focus on today. How cool is that? I mean, how would you like to be recorded in God's Word as the dude who chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and whipped it? You know what I mean? Like, that is awesome. I actually was, uh, was I looked at, at video clips. You know, I like to show video clips and stuff. And I kept trying to find, like, a non-graphic version of, some, of people, like, going at lions. There are these people. I don't know why they exist in the world um, I, you know, Darwin was onto something when he said something about natural selection. There are people that will raise lions in their house. Have you ever seen this? You go on YouTube, you can find a dozen of them at least. People that will raise lions, and, and they, for some reason, they think that they can domesticate these wild cats that are as big as three humans. I don't understand that. I don't get it. Like, I, you know, I understand that there are people that have poisonous snakes in their house, and that's dumb too, by the way. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, I, I know that some of you really are into that and all that. I get it, you know, but, but I don't get it at the same time. I mean, Satan was a snake. You know what I mean? Like, you get that, right? Like, you know that. And you want to put him in your house, but he's going to be in a cage, so it's going to be fine. Let's put Satan in our house and put him in a cage, and we can look at him. And every once in a while, we'll get him out and pet him. I don't get it. But anyway, so there are these people. <laughs> like, I get an amen from Willie on that one. Like, you, you don't understand a poisonous snake in your house. That don't make sense, does it? Uh, yeah, so anyway, but, uh, but there are people that will, will try to raise a lion. And I, I, like, I tried to find a non-graphic video that I could put up here, but it would terrify the children, man. All the videos I found, like there was a, a video of this man, and he gets in the lion cage because, you know, he goes, well, 
I've domesticated this lion. I've loved this lion. I've petted this lion. I've laid down and taken a nap with this lion, you know. And then one day he goes into the cage, and all of a sudden the lion grabs him by the throat and drags him off to try to eat him. Like, and they're surprised by this. You know why he dragged him off and tried to eat him? Because he's a lion. Because that's what lions do. Lions eat people, and they eat other things that are alive, you know. And if you're a person and you're alive and he's hungry, he'll eat you. That's just what lions do. But I don't understand. I don't understand this. There was another. There was like another video of these people that I think this was a lioness technically, but they like they were. They showed videos of them like playing ball with the lion in their backyard. You got this tiny, and like, and then it shows a little clip of of these people in their living room, and the lion is on their, this guy's back, like biting him in the head. You know, and I'm like, that can happen. Like, if you're in the okay, if you happen to be here and you're in the debate about whether or not I should get a lion and raise it, before you do that, I feel like you should be well-informed. Go and look on YouTube for people that have raised lions and see what happens to them. It does not work out well for them. I'm just saying, it's not a good idea. So anyway, sorry, I had to get that. That was a soapbox there for a little bit about people who raise lions or animals that can kill you. I don't think it's a good thing. I think animals that can kill you Stay away from them. That's, that's, that's advice from Kenny Nix. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It just, you know, our brains say that, you know. If it can kill you, stay away from it. So anyway, so this dude, he is one of David's mighty warriors. And Benaiah, on a snowy day, chases a lion down into a pit. <laughs> and I cannot imagine, like, this guy's mentality. Number one, let me say this. You do not chase a lion into a pit without some preparation first, right? Like, like you, you better be ripped up if you're going to chase a lion into a pit. You know what I mean? Like, you have better have done some push-ups and some pull-ups in your life if you want to chase a lion into a pit. So, so obviously, what I'm connecting here is this illustration about, about manlyhood and being tough and... and, and the, the, the lions that we face, right? So everybody talks about David and Goliath and, and the Goliaths in our life and what we face. And I just want to talk to you this morning about the personality of somebody who chases a lion into a pit. And this godly man who is one of David's mighty warriors chasing this lion down into a pit. We, I, I think that we see that and we're like, man, that is a man right there. But look at some of the parallels in in what's happening here and what is happening in our lives. There are lions that come into our lives. There are lions that we have to fight. There are battles that we have to take on. And we're going to talk about some of those battles towards the end. But I want to just keep in in your mind that there are battles that we have to fight. As fathers, as men, there are battles that we have to fight. You cannot go into a fight with a lion without some preparation. Without some strength training, training without being ready to go up against something like a lion. If you're a weak, scrawny dude, you don't immediately go, you know what? Today I can take on a lion. You know? You have to have some preparation. You have to have, have done something to get ready for that. And, and guys, listen to me. Fathers, listen to me. As men of God, and we've taken on these battles that we're going to go up against, we cannot take on those battles without being prepared without getting ready, without doing our spiritual exercise, without being built up and ready to go and ready to fight. Because all of us, we want to say, man, we're manly enough. We could take on a lion, you know. I'm not scared. Bring a lion on. I'll go chase him out in the parking lot right now. But you know what? Here's here's what's interesting is that that 
men want to portray this, this, this manliness, you know, and they say, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of a lion. I'm not scared of that. Ask them if they're afraid of an altar. Many of them are terrified, scared to death. Like, I, I mean, come down here and pray in front of people, and people know that I have something in my life that I need to pray about? Are you kidding? That is terrifying. That is scary for me to think that I come down here and people might think that there's something that's in my life I need to pray about. I think that, that in a lot of ways that this altar is scarier than a lion for a lot of men. I really believe that. Guys, listen to me. If, if we are really going to be men and we're going to be men of God like this man of God, we have got to be prepared. We have got to be strengthening ourselves, getting ready for the battles that we're going to face. And you will fight, face battles. There's no doubt about it. And let me tell you this. Not every time that you face that battle are things going to be opportune. See, sometimes we look and we say, well, I'll wait for this to be set up this way and this to be set up this way. And then, I'll, then you know, I can go into a battle at that point in time. The battles that you face are like this lion. I, I don't think that that day he knew he was going to face a lion. You have to be prepared ahead of time so that when the lions come to your doorstep, that you're ready to take on the lion. That when the battles come to you, that you're ready to fight the battle. You can't wait until then and say, you know what, yeah, maybe tomorrow. Maybe I'll wait. Maybe I'll be a little bit more prepared. That's not the way that it works. When things happen in your life, when battles come, and, and, and you know that I'm going to talk about this today, so I'm not going to shy away from it. But my, my daughter passed away two days before Father's Day. In 2007, my daughter passed away June the 15th. June the 17th was Father's Day. You can't be prepared for that. I don't care the fact, I, yeah, I saw it coming for 15 months. We battled cancer for 15 months. But when that day hits, you are not ready unless you have been preparing for an awful long time. We cannot just say, you know what, when I see a battle coming, then I'll start preparing. No, you have to be prepared today. You have to start today to be prepared. You have to start that strength training, to, training today so that when the battle comes, you're ready to face it. Because this dude, Benaiah, he actually faced the lion on a snowy day. I love the fact that God's Word says it was a snowy day. It wasn't a bright, sunny, dry, warm summer day. It was a snowy day. Now, what happens in the snow? Number one, you're miserable. I'm miserable in the snow, okay? Like, I'll just admit that. It's cold. Even if you say you like the cold, you don't really like the cold. I, I can prove that by putting you outside in zero temp weather and leaving you out there for four hours, and, and you, you have very little clothes on. And I say, see, you like the cold, right? No, nobody likes the cold. This dude is facing uh, the lion on a day when it's hard to breathe, right? When it's cold outside, it's hard to breathe. If I'm going to face a lion, I want a day when I'm able to breathe really well. This guy's going on a snowy day, and he's chasing the lion into the pit. Now, one thing about a pit is there's not a whole lot of ways out of a pit, you know? If the lion was stuck in the pit, then that means if Benaiah went down in there, more than likely he would have been stuck in the pit too. It's not like it was going to be easy for Benaiah to get out. He was going to be in the pit on a snowy day where it's hard to breathe. And also, what, what happens when it's snowing? You ever tried to walk down a hillside when it's covered in snow? I don't care what kind of shoes you got on. It's hard to keep your footing on a day when it's snowy. Am I right? 
Now, you're going to slip and you're going to fall. I'll, personally, if I'm going to fight a lion, I would rather have some sure footing. I would rather have some cleats on or something, you know, because the snowy day, it's going to be tough. You know, i got to go up against a lion. There's going to be a time where he's going to push back against me. I can almost guarantee it. I don't want to be slipping and sliding all over the place. I actually want to be in a place where I am sure-footed. And here for Benaiah, he's being faced with this situation, and he's actually taking it head-on on a snowy day where even his feet are not sure-footed. Even when he can slip and slide all over the place, he's still taking on the battle. The time was not opportune necessarily. This was not an ideal situation to be fighting a lion. He was prepared physically in order to be able to do it because obviously it says he chased the lion into the pit, right? Perfect transparency. I run into a lion. Snowy day or not, I'm not going after the lion. I'm going somewhere else. I told you I don't approve of people raising animals that can kill you inside their house. I don't approve of people hanging out with animals that can kill you even if it's in their natural environment or whatever. If a lion encounters you and you encounter a lion, go the other way. I saw pictures and videos of people in Africa, and a lion, I, I saw this, it's so crazy. A lion was chewing on the car trying to get at the people inside the car. And this guy comes around from the other side of the car. He goes, what are you doing, big boy? Get away from the car. Why? I'm like, dude, he's going to eat you. He's going to eat you right now. He's trying to eat the people in the car. You're not in the car. He's going to eat you. I actually stopped that video. I didn't watch the rest of it. I was like, he, I don't know if he gets eaten or not, but he's dumb enough he should be eaten, okay? I just, sorry. I just, people frustrate me sometimes. But so, so this particular situation, Benaiah encounters a lion, and he chases the lion into the pit. Now, you say, why does a person chase a lion into the pit? That's a good question. I don't know 100%. But I tell you this, that lion had to be some sort of threat for him to chase the lion into the pit. That lion had to be, some, in his mind, he must have thought, for some reason, this lion has to die. And, and when you think about why would that be, maybe, just maybe, Benaiah was protecting something or someone. You know, there, there are some scholars that I've read, they, they say, well, maybe the, Benaiah was afraid that this lion would one time, sometime come into the camp of Israel and attack the Israelites and maybe take one of their children off. Or maybe this lion had been attacking them already. And maybe, you know, the guy had said, Benaiah said, enough is enough, I've got to go after the lion. And that's the reason he chased the lion into the pit. But I know this, as it says that Benaiah chased the lion into the pit and killed it. Benaiah saw the threat, and he took on the threat. He did not shy away from it. He did not run away from it. When the battles in our lives come up, I'm not talking about lions. I'm talking about real battles. We are supposed to face them head on. And, and most people, most men will say, most fathers will say, I do, man. If somebody were to come into my house, I, I have got that, man. I, I've got a 9 millimeter, and I'm going to take care of whoever comes into my house. I'll tell you a, a, a story about something that happened, just a quick story about something that happened just the other night. I was in bed, and we get alerts on our, our phone if something happens on one of our cameras outside, right? Um, I get an alert. In particular, I get an alert on our back camera. It's on the back side of our house. And, and I got an alert, and it was like 10 or 10.30 at night. 
and it looked like, because I can go to the camera and watch the video, what's going on, right? So I go to the camera, and I'm looking, and it looks like that my first instinct is this is somebody hitting the camera with a stick. My heart almost exploded. I was, I mean, I went from zero to 120 in no time flat. I, my heart was racing. I was like, well, here it goes. I did, this is it, man. This is where I go down. This is where Kenny dies. He's going out back with his gun. And like, whoever that is with a stick, like, they're going to get shot. You know, like, today's the day I got to kill somebody. You know, I mean, I, that's, all this is running through my mind, you know. Like, I know y'all think I'm crazy. I don't care. I mean, but anyway, you, you come here partly to hear how crazy I am. So anyway, this thing, it looks like this, something is hitting the camera with a stick. Y'all, my blood pressure went through the... My face got red. Man, I, I, I got... You know how... You guys know what I'm talking about. When it comes time to fight, it's like, it's on. You know what I mean? Like, well, here it goes, you know. We're going down right here. And that's what happened in my mind. Well, then, like 10 seconds into the video, I see the wings, and it's something flapping, you know. It turns out it's a moth. It's not some man with a stick trying to... I don't know why y'all were laughing so hard at that. I was, yeah, maybe it's a moth man, yeah. So... So, yeah, I see the wings flapping. I'm like, oh, man. But I was ready, man. I, I was like, here you go. I was ready to jump out of bed, grab the gun, go downstairs, and shoot whoever's trying to hit my camera with a stick. You know, like, I We say, men say, fathers say a lot of times, we are ready to face whatever comes at us, right? That we are ready to take it on. But when you talk about the spiritual realm and you talk about the things that, that really count and the things that count for all of eternity, the eternal things... My question is, are we really ready in that area to take on whatever comes at us, whatever we're faced with? Are you ready at a moment's notice to take on those, those spiritual battles? Because you have to be prepared for those, for one. You have to not be afraid of those. I, I think that, that men will say a lot of times that I'm not afraid of some kind of spiritual battle. I'm a spiritual leader in my family. But yet... You'll see people all the time. This, this, you want me to tell you what the number one thing that the men hide behind? Their jobs. Am I right? Guys, you know that, right? So we'll hide behind our jobs. Oh, I can't do that. Sorry. Um, I can't do that. I got, I got to work. You know, That's what we'll say a lot of times. I got to work. I can't, can't go to the men's conference. I, I can't go on a mission trip. Uh, I, I can't lead a small group. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. I can't go to a small group. I got to work. And that's the number one thing I believe that I have seen in ministry that men tend to hand, hide behind. Is their work. Oh, I can't do this because I work this shift, and I can't do this because of this. And we make every excuse that we can to not do things and be prepared on a spiritual level because we hide behind our work and because we think that that's the manly thing to do. I will tell you right now, and I heard Mr. B say this. He was talking to somebody. He said, you know what? You know what? The most important thing you do is, is, is not, it's not how many hours you work, man. It's, it's how, you, how hard you work for the kingdom of God and how, how prepared you are in the things of God. And, and I think that man's life is a testimony to that fact. And I believe that, that sometimes we do anything and everything we can to get out of things that are truly deeply connected with God, and we replace that with our work. And we try to blame our work and make that an excuse for why we don't do the things that we know we should do. You want to chase a lion into a pit? Go to a small group. Go to a men's conference. Go on a mission trip. That's real hard stuff. That's the real battles we need to be facing. That's the real things that the men are supposed to be doing to prepare themselves for protecting their families because that is the most protection you'll ever provide for your family 
is being spiritually ready and spiritually ready to, to handle those battles. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. We all know this. He's given his final word here, and he, he, he kind of talks about the armor of God. Listen to what he says. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his pow- mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be ready You'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. That is the real enemy. What is the devil? He's like a roaring lion, right? Seeking whom he may devour. If we want to resist real enemies, we need to be able to resist the devil. And we, how do we do that? I mean, we talk about the armor that we're supposed to put on, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of, unseen, of the unseen world, against the mighty powers of this dark world, against evil spirits in, heavenly, in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For, shoe, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the kind of battles we fight. These are the kind of lions we fight, men. As fathers, we need to be prepared for these kinds of battles. That means, that means praying with your family. That means that, that when your family has questions about the Bible, you know who they're supposed to come to? They're supposed to come to you. Then when, when, when somebody in your family has a question about God's Word, they're supposed to be secure in your understanding of God's Word that you're the first person they come to. You want to be prepared, you be prepared there. You want to show strength, you show strength there. You want to be ready to attack and defend and whatever it takes to defend your family, you be prepared there in the whole armor of God, as Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to be like Benaiah, you know. I want to be ready. I want to be somebody that's not afraid. I want to be somebody that will go into a battle and be prepared. I won't be afraid of the fact that it's snowing outside. I won't be afraid of the fact that my footing may be unsure. I won't be afraid of the fact that I'm, I'm in a hole. And, and you know what? The odds of fighting against a lion are not very good. You know? The odds of coming out alive when you take on a lion are never very good. Well, this guy was not afraid. As a matter of fact, he was so not afraid and he was so well prepared that he chased the lion down into the pit. And that's where he attacked it and that is where he killed it. That's the kind of spiritual life I want to lead. That's the kind of spiritual men we need in this world. We don't need ones that will cower away, the ones that that aren't prepared, that aren't putting on the whole arm of God. We need people that are prepared. And we need people that aren't afraid. So many times, man, we're looking for people to step up, men to step up and do something in the church, and they're hard to find. They are extremely hard to find. We're taking a mission trip to Chicago. You want to know how many women compared to men are going? The women outnumber the men two to one. A friend of mine was telling me a story about how uh, they went to Africa. And uh, I tell you this story all the time. And it may upset some people. I don't care. But the people in Africa looked at him and said, hey, 
I thought the men in your church were supposed to be the leaders of your church. Where are all the men? And it was all women on the mission trip. Very few men, if any. I think that's the problem, guys. I think that's the issue. We're not prepared. I think we, we hide behind stuff. I think that if we truly boil it down, we're really scared and we're not, we're not strong and we're not ready. And we're way more afraid of an altar than we are of a lion. You know what I think the, um, the enemy is? Uh, all sin originates from this. And the interesting part about it is we've made two references to lions. The fact that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And also Benaiah chasing a lion into a pit. Do you know what you call multiple lions? A pride. All sin originates from one thing, and that is pride. What is the number one thing that most men deal with as a struggle? I speak from experience. It's pride. Not willing to humble yourself. You see, the whole point of this armor of God, the whole idea behind it, is you've got to recognize that you don't have what it takes. That you have to go to him to have what it takes. And that's what most men can't admit. That's what most men can't admit, that I need to humble myself before God because he has what it takes and I do not. Pride is the number one thing that keeps people from doing what they need to do. It keeps men, in particular, from doing the things that they know they should do and being prepared and truly being not afraid. I'm going to finish with this. In Ephesians chapter 6, this is where uh, it kind of begins. So we're going backwards. We started in Ephesians 6.10. Now we're going back to 6.1. And we're going to talk about children and fathers, okay? Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Why do you obey your parents? Because you belong to the Lord. I'm not going to get on children today. This is about men and Father's Day, and this is what God intended. But I want you to know, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. If you belong to the Lord, you obey your parents. And that's just as simple as it goes. For this is the right thing to do. You wonder what the right thing to do? God, what do you want me to do? Right there, Ephesians 6, 1. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you. And you will have a long life on the earth. This is where Paul speaks to fathers here. Listen up, fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Now, some versions will say wrath. I think some people read this and say, don't make your kids angry. I make my kid angry sometimes. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. Sometimes she doesn't like what I say. Sometimes she doesn't like the things that I do. Sometimes she doesn't like the things that I make her do. And that's okay, but that's not what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about making your kids angry. It's talking about provoking them to wrath. And that means that they look at you, and they look at the way that you behave, and if they see you acting in a wrathful way, then they're going to act in a wrathful way. If they see that your temperament is one of anger, then they're going to look at you and they're going to learn from you and learn the way that you are and their temperament is going to be the one of anger as well. Dads, listen to me. Your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you. If you do something that, that, is, that is not right, 
Okay, let's put it that way. You do something that's not right, your kids are going to remember. You say, okay, let's give you an example. What does that mean? Let's say it's your checkout counter with your son or daughter, right? And the clerk forgets to ring up something. And you're like, man, today's my lucky day. I just got a discount. Their mistake means my discount. And you're smiling you're on the inside. You're grinning from ear to ear. Like, man, that is, that's good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I lucked out today. But then that son or daughter is watching you. And they see what's just happened. And dad's got a choice. Dad can either, do, either be a man of integrity and he can tell the clerk what has happened. Or he can walk out. And we may not think that's a big deal. We may not think that that's, that's a really big deal at all. And so what? So what if my kid sees that? Your kid will learn what it means to have integrity from you. If you behave in a way that's not full of integrity, your kid's going to learn that. If you behave in a way that's full of anger and you have a short fuse and you blow up and you act nice in church and you act all like you behave in church, but at home your kids know that you're screaming and hollering and cussing. I know so many families like this. Man, my dad, he looks so good at church. We get home, he's cussing, he's screaming, he's yelling. Your kids are watching that. They really are, dads. Listen to me. Your, your kids are watching. And they're learning how to behave from you. And if you think for a second that they're not, just watch them. I mean, you watch them. You can see. They'll act just like you. The older they get, the more like you they get. Whatever temperament you have, you'll see that manifest in your own kids. Fathers, don't provoke your kids to anger. Don't have a temperament of anger, one that will show them that that's the way that they're supposed to live. Show them what is right. Show them what it means to have integrity. Show them what it means to be gentle and slow to anger. Show them what it means to listen to people. Guys, we're not very good at listening. We're just not. Show them what it means to be a good listener. Listen to them when they talk to you. Don't be afraid to admit to your children that you are wrong. If you don't admit to your children that you are wrong, how do you expect them to ever admit that they're wrong? Because you want to tell them all the time how wrong they are for what they've done. And they look at you and say, but dad, you have never said that you've done anything wrong to me. And me and you know, both know that ain't the case. There have been times, and it, listen guys, I'm telling you, this is the hardest thing that I've had to do sometimes. There have been times when I have gotten angry with my kids, and I have gone back to them and had to apologize to them and say, look, daddy's a man, and sometimes I mess up. And I got mad at you, and I got angry with you, and you didn't deserve it, and that's my fault, and I'm sorry. You want to teach your kids something? I promise you that will have an impact on them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It says discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Everybody's like, well, I, I got no problem with discipline my kids. We get the, the hand discipline. You can't have discipline without the instruction. That's why it says discipline and instruction. The instruction doesn't come from you. It comes from the Lord. If you were to be a spiritual leader in your family, 
That instruction comes from the Lord. And they see you behaving in obedience to the instruction of the Lord. And that is the way that they behave. They say, well, my dad behaves this way. My father behaves this way because that instruction comes from the Lord. Therefore, whatever instruction he gives me, it must come from the Lord. And they can trust you in that. If they cannot trust you in that, then your discipline will not have the right impact on them. And it will not be discipline that comes from the Lord. It will be discipline that comes from you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, I know what some of you are saying. So this is Father's Day, and some of you are saying, well, you know what, Kenny? This is great and wonderful, but I don't have any kids. I'm, I'm a dad. Maybe you're newly married, and you don't have any kids. Or, or maybe, maybe you have kids, but you don't have a relationship with them. Maybe they're somewhere else, and maybe... For whatever reason, that relationship is broken. Maybe you've had a child that passed away, and maybe that child isn't physically here. This is what I know. This is what I know. You know what God's Word says? You know what the message of this whole book is? No matter what you've done before, start today. Change the way you behave today. He says, I make all things new. You can be made new. You may have screwed up a lot in the past. You may have yelled a lot at your kids in the past. You may have cussed a lot at home at your kids in the past. God makes all things new. Start the work on your, your kid's heart today. Some of you say, I don't, I don't have kids. Well, some of you may wish that you did have kids, but you don't. I guarantee you, if you will look around in your little sphere of influence that you have in your life and the people that you know and the people that you care about, I guarantee you there is a child somewhere in there that needs a dad, that needs a father figure in their life. It's one of the things that we heard at the men's conference. They showed us this little clip. You know, it's a Jerry Springer episode, and it was like this, this sergeant, like, getting down in this kid's face, and he says, you want me to be your daddy? And he's talking to him about sending him off to, to juvie or something like that because this kid's been misbehaving. He says, you want me to be your daddy? For the next 18 months, you want me to be your daddy? The little kid starts crying, his lips quivering. And he says, yeah, I do. And this drill sergeant guy, he's like shaken by this. He says, what? You want me to be your daddy? He said, yeah, I don't have a daddy. And that tough drill sergeant, man, you could see it just broke his heart and he hugged that little kid and he immediately just took him off the stage and took him backstage. I guarantee you there's a kid that you know that needs a daddy, that needs a father figure. And what I mean by a father figure, I mean a real tough guy that lives according to this, that has a real relationship with God, that really believes in instruction from the Lord and discipline from the Lord and wants to teach a kid that. Are you a real dad? a real dad of you. If you messed up a lot in the past, today's a new day. You got a chance. You can live according to this word, according to what God says. He makes all things new. Maybe some of you today need to be made into a new dad. Maybe some of you today don't know what it means to have a relationship with Christ and you can't follow the Lord's instruction because you've never humbly surrendered to Him. Maybe this altar has scares you to death for so long it's more scary than a lion. You've never been able to come down here and humble yourself before God and say, God, I need you. I need instruction that comes from you, and the only way I'll be able to get that is if I humbly surrender to you and I humbly submit to you because your word is true, because what you say is true. Maybe some of you are in that place today. Maybe you're not a guy at all. 
Maybe you're a female in here today. Maybe you're a young person. And God has spoken to you through this word. See, the thing I know about this word is, even though my sermon may be to one set of people, it applies to everybody because this word applies to everybody. Maybe you are in that place today. Maybe you know just fundamentally that you never surrendered to the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And maybe God has impressed that upon your heart today. He makes all things new. He wants to make you new today. You have a chance to come down here, as scary as it may be, and fall down on your face before God and say, God, I surrender to you. I don't know what that looks like, and I don't care. All I care is about, all I care about today is surrendering to you. You've got that chance. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. Thank you for how you challenge us. Thank you for, God, how you break our hearts. God, I pray that when we hear your word, God, and it's not easy. God, I pray that it's tough and it's difficult and it's hard for us to hear. God, because I realize that for us to be able to get to a place of humility, God, we've got to see ourselves for who we really are. So, Lord, today I pray that that has happened through the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that people have seen who they really are. God, today, today I pray that you would make someone new. God, that people would not be afraid. God, I pray that today, God, they would face their lions. And they would chase their lion into a pit today. They would look at it head on. They would not be afraid today and say, God, it's not my strength, but your strength. The only reason I would have any strength at all is because of you. Just like this mighty man of, man of God, just like how Benaiah shows us, God, it was, it was your strength in him, not his strength alone. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that you're glorified today as we surrender to you. God, as you speak to us, I pray that we respond boldly. In Jesus' name, everyone stand.